You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. This is Steph Wilberting, your host. Here, we'll be talking about all things wellness, how it impacts our journey and affects the way we show up in the world. All right. Hi, team. Welcome to episode number six. I am super excited to tell you all that I'm sitting here across the country via Zoom from my friend, Mark Fisher. Hi, Mark. Hello. It's so nice to see you. Um, I miss my New York City faces a lot right now, so this yeah. is really special to me. Hello. Thank wow. you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, Mark, if you are listening to this and you don't know who Mark Fisher is, um, A, I'm surprised if you're listening to it because you know me, but B, I will tell you who he is. Uh, Mark is the founder of Mark Fisher Fitness and Business for Unicorns. Um, and Mark and I met, I had to do a little research cause I forgot what year it was, um, 2006 doing summer stock mm-hmm. at the gateway playhouse on Long Island. Um, and then five years later I enrolled as a client or ninja in snatch in six weeks at, into what became Mark Fisher fitness. But right. so I am celebrating my 10 year anniversary of, kind of shifting into a new journey for myself as a human trying to feel better, get better. Um, and that's, that's kind of how our story started. Um, and then I started coaching for you two years later and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but that's like the short timeline and I can't believe it's been 10 years. Me neither. Um, First off, uh, how are things going out on the East coast? How are things going at the gym? Open back up. Thank God. How are things going? They are going pretty well, all things considered. And as one might imagine, they are slowly ramping back up with the in-person world still being a little bit dodgy. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are in mid-August, which is not knowing known for being the most amazing time for any brick-and-mortar business in your city right. to begin with. And a pandemic has certainly added an additional wrinkle to that, but we are mostly feel lucky and grateful just to be able to even do classes, which really are still relatively newly returned. Mm -hmm. We were closed for classes for 15 months. So it's really only been about six weeks we were able to have classes as well. And that has felt positive because it's felt like, okay, well, we're reopen again. We're having a lot more people in than we were only able to do semi-privates. And a lot of the business remains in ways that I'm grateful for and find surprising a virtual business. Yeah. So we have an online platform called Homebody, and that remains 
the lion's share of the training, the classes we're offering, the ninjas that we work with, we work with through online live coach Zoom classes. Great. That's amazing. Um, I've taken a couple of those classes. They're fun. super fun and they're, they're not easy. Um, something that uh, I've been talking to a lot of my guests about, you know, this podcast hopefully will um, be around post-pandemic or post this version of our pandemic where we're not all talking about this as much as we are right now. But something that's come up is around self-care and fitness and food and wellness is what kind of struggles maybe reared their head in the last 18 months and what we all did, what the guests did to navigate them or try new things. Um, And I just love to hear from you, like, how did you take care of yourself? What challenges maybe popped up and how did you navigate around them? Yeah, this has been, well, not very fun. (laughs) I'm sure is the case for most people. This has definitely been one of the more difficult times of my adult life. There have definitely been periods of it where I actually felt like a million dollars. I think in part because the low periods felt so low. The periods that didn't feel so low felt like, oh my gosh, I can do anything. And... My self-care journey has, I will subdivide, I think, between physical self-care or physiological self-care and Mm -hmm. psychological self-care. The physical piece, I feel relatively fortunate in that I have built up habits for many, many years. And in fact, I have meaningfully increased the intensity and frequency and duration of my workouts Mm. since the world ended. Because when the world ended, it was the only thing I had to hold on to. And as it happened, where the entire city was locked down, it was just a a cacophony of ambulances. Mm. One thing I could do was go to the empty gym and just train. Yeah. So that was an amazing thing to have that opportunity. I'm very grateful for that because I know most people did not. And, you know, before the pandemic, I had worked out still consistently by all means, but I would work out four times a week, five times a week. And it's pretty consistently been usually six to seven days a week now, mm-hmm. pretty much the whole time, with a couple moments where I was either doing a little bit of travel or something with preventing that. But for the most part, that has been very, very consistent. Uh, sleeping has always been very good for me. I have upped the ante even further. I've also just allowed myself to accept that my body at this point in my life likes to be in bed at 9.30, mm-hmm. 9.30, 10. Yeah. And I've found that out because I wasn't having to make any social sacrifices. That's been a little bit of a challenge, frankly, since the world's come back online as I'm finding I often am choosing between what my body wants and what my heart and soul wants, which is yeah. to connect deeply with uh, a community of friends that I move in. They're definitely Brooklyn night owl people. <laughs> um, but that was been interesting to learn too, because when I was pulled away from the, any, any particular schedule demanded of me by the world, I discovered like, oh, left to my druthers, I like to go into bed around 9, 9.30 and be up around 5.30. That's my natural mm-hmm. rhythms. And that has been great. So that has remained pretty good. And I think overall, food has been good and I've been drinking too much. <laughs> not, not recently. <laughs> uh, recently, I've been actually doing a pretty moderate job with it, but I definitely, unfortunately, found uh, craft cocktails was the only non-work-related hobby in my life, the very first one. Yeah, um, I've since tried to move into graphic novels, which are a much healthier uh, choice because it turns out if you study craft cocktails and develop a great love for them, they can really lead you down a rabbit hole that is tasty and fun because you're a little bit drunk. And it is not my personal health standards to be drinking, you know, two to three cocktails like four to five nights per week. That for me, like 
was <laughs> not where I wanted to be. Um, I have to interrupt and say, it's so <laughs> nice to hear that because I was oh. just talking to um, Chris Crothers yes. uh, when he was here and I, had, I moved during, yeah, and I drew, I drew, I moved during the pandemic into uh, my own place and I have a backyard, which is like unheard of right. and it's quaint and beautiful and green and private. And he and I were sitting back there. He's like, I don't think I'd ever leave this backyard. I was like, why do you think I had a half a bottle of Chardonnay almost every night? It felt yeah. like for the first you know <laughs> yeah. year I lived here, it was just so easy to just yeah relax and do that. So um, anyway, yeah. So back to so crafting the cocktails. Tr- still lots of training, um, and as the world's opening back up, are you noticing? Okay, these what what dynamics are shifting for you around all that? I mean, certainly the integration of having social opportunities again has definitely changed the game. Mm -hmm. And I had a period where I very intentionally and willfully ate and drank as if I was on vacation in the months of June and July Mm -hmm. because New York City has certainly, I think, feels a bit of fatigue right now in the way that we all do. And in June, July, there was a brief shining moment where we thought maybe we were on the 90-yard line and the city in the most wonderful, glorious way, absolutely lost its mind. And people were, I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. The energy was just incredible and amazing. And I truly ate and drank as if I was on vacation for several weeks. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And then the way my relationship with my health and my fitness practice works is interesting. I think is, is perhaps I would contrast it with the, oftentimes when I'm discussing this with clients or ninjas is my admittedly, my living life, like I'm on vacation is probably still like a C plus B minus. Yeah. And then I will invariably be like, I'm not satisfied with this anymore. And for me that happened about like four to five weeks ago, I was like, I am eating out too much and I'm drinking too much. And I want to reel it in. And then I just mm-hmm. did. And then my very dialed in periods are, I'm very, very proud of, I think are a pretty, pretty high level. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I have noticed that is perhaps a little bit different that I think is part of the journey I see when I work with people for the long haul is coming to understand that these seasons are natural, that these seasons are okay. When you're going through a season where you're not focused on being super dialed in on your fitness, often it's because you're in a season of your startup or you're, you're in the season of spending time with your small child or mm-hmm. you're in a season of, of travel. And that is a firewalk that we can go on with faith that the habits, the skills, the the practices we've developed will be there to catch us when we decide we want to put, put our focus on it and maybe, uh, you know, come up with a new fitness goal or something else that for whatever reason inspires to re-engage more deeply in our fitness practice. And at this point in my life, I'm able to do that in a way that's relatively lack. It's lacking in any emotional fraudness. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing that, I'm not worried that I can't get back there. I trust that this is a thing that kind of happens. And that's one of those things I think, at this point in my life, having done this for so long is a benefit of this that when I work with people for the long haul, there's, I think, ideally a beautiful moment where people come to own that and have more trust and faith in themselves and their fitness. And then they have this opportunity to, you know, enjoy and indulge when they're choosing in an intentional way that's not out of control, that's not about I have to get this in before the deadline comes. Mm-hmm. It's just because I'm choosing this in the moment. This is what feels good to me. It's what feels good to my body and my life. And then they dial back in when they're ready. So, yeah. So that's the the physical fitness piece. I think what you're 
what you're saying here for me with some of my fitness clients, my health coaching clients, uh, and the way I try to share my journey with the world is this idea of falling off the wagon, right? So mm-hmm. what you're talking about are these, like, I'm intentionally choosing to just do what I want to do for X yeah. amount of time, live like I'm on vacation. And then when it starts to not feel good anymore or the, like the right decision for you, it's now after years of practice, somewhat easier to kind of shift back yeah. into that different gear. But what a lot of people will say is, oh my God, I fell off the wagon for the last two months and now I have to get back on, right? They get back on, they right. pull the reins. And I often say like, just remember, like what you said, all of the skills and habits you've worked on over the years are, if we're going to use the wagon reference, they're sitting there on the wagon. They didn't go anywhere. Right. The wagon can't actually go anywhere without you sitting in it and pulling on the reins. So like give yourself a little bit of break and just maybe instead of like, I fell off, I got to get, get back on. You're just going to like take a seat in the driver's seat and, you know, continue yeah. on. And I think there's just that on again, off again mentality that just makes people always feel emotionally like they're starting over when they're not. They're just kind of picking yeah, back up. Totally, totally. Yeah. John Berardi, who is a mentor of mine who uh, found a company called Precision Nutrition that I know you're familiar with and maybe some listeners are as well. He has this really wonderful metaphor that's so powerful about a volume knob versus an on and off. Mm-hmm. Because admittedly, even when I'm quote unquote living on vacation, well, I'm I'm not actually eating crap all day long every day. I'm still like eating well, probably for breakfast and lunch. And then maybe a few nights of the week, instead of just one, I'm going out for dinner during the week. And then admittedly, maybe on the weekends, I'm going to a delightful brunch uh, shenanigan parade. Uh, Yes, which was amazing to, you know, indulge myself and go by myself to brunch and have a martini at 1030 a.m. in Dante's because I wanted and it was delicious. And then ultimately I decided that I was a little tired of that. I was ready to have a slightly more higher standards for my health and fitness. I saw all the posts coming, you know, through social media stuff of people out and about New York. And that's probably when I felt my most homesick in the last year and a half was the city opening back up, right? And the media telling you that New York's falling apart, but the people on the ground being like, no, it's not. We're here. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. And if anything, there was a gnarliness about a certain uh, dancing on the edge of the world feeling, uh, particularly because I certainly do have a more hedonistic side and sort of to the extent that I touch the Brooklyn nightlife and like the real like avant-garde artist party scene, which I very much like love and respect Mm -hmm. and absolutely can't hang with because of my circadian rhythms and age. Uh, There was an extra bit of wild abandon with it. And it was interesting too. And uh, (laughs) we could say with our next topic, but the thing that came up for me during that process, like, wow, it was so interesting. All this last year, I was feeling so bad for very young people. I was feeling so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, this must be horrible. If you're in your early 20s and you lost this. And then this stuff, I was like, I am so jealous of young people that are experiencing this right now, this explosion after being, you yeah. know, having these constraints on them for so long. So what a wonderful metaphor for life finds a way, as they say yeah. in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about... Um, the moment where I was, where, basically, this is going to sound so dramatic. It's not meant to sound so dramatic, but like the moment that changed my life. Um, so back to the little timeline I shared at the top of the episode, it's like roughly the fall of 2013, we'll say. Um, I think maybe the fall of 2012. I'm really bad with dates. Um, and I had been a ninja now. The clubhouse was open. I had been away on a cruise ship or something, and I came back, and I was coming to classes. 
And, you know, having been around for a while, I felt like, oh, I'm kind of in the OG family. It was feeling good. I was commuting. For those of you that understand New York, I would get up, I'd take the subway from Astoria, I'd walk to the clubhouse, I'd take a class, I'd go back to Astoria, shower, come back into the city to wait tables. Like it was a lot, but I was doing it. Because I was showing up, I would just keep showing up, right? So anyway, after class one day, you pulled me aside and were like, hey, Steph, I have a question for you. And I was like, okay. And I remember going, he's going to ask me something about class. Like, did you like that set where we did swings and then push? I don't know. And, uh, and you were like, I wanted to ask you if you would be interested in working here. And I, I do think prior to that, I had maybe dropped a hint of like, I have some business experience background or something. Like if you need somebody at the desk or business team. And I said, oh, you mean at the front desk or in the business? And you're like, no, I, I mean coaching. And I was like, what? And you proceeded to say something like, I think your journey would really resonate with a lot of people. And I'm prepared to take you under my wing and teach you all that you need to know or something like that. And I was so shocked. I just remember being very gracious and, or grateful and then saying, can I get back to you? Yeah. And then I took the subway home and I think I emailed you and texted you as soon as I got off the train in Astoria. Like, okay. And I just, I'll never forget the stories I had told myself for that first 36 years of my life, especially the last 15 years before that, was that I was too much for something like that. I was too heavy. I was too, um, I had too many issues with food and fitness. I had too much not right to do that. Mm. And you like completely diffused all of that or debunked all of that. Um, do you remember that moment? Yeah. 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 I do remember that moment. Yeah. That, that was definitely the, the gist of it. And, uh, yeah, thank you for, for saying that. And I, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that was going in your head and I just disagreed. (laughs) Well, then the other thing, which kind of leads me into what I want to talk about, um, we're going to take a break in a second, but I'm going to share this thing first and we'll come back, is that um, I remember saying something in the moment to you like, really? Me? Uh And you said, yeah. And then you said something like, people come here. I know people are coming here because they want to change their body, get in shape. But what I'm interested in changing is right here. And you pointed to your chest and pointed to your heart. And then you said something like, I think that's why you'd be a good fit. And it still makes me like emotional to think Mm -hmm. about it. Um, And I think that's what's so unique about the Mark Fisher fitness community. It's so, it's now permeating the world because of all of us that started there at some point and have like moved on in the world into different, whether we're still in training or not, or in coaching or not, we're still affecting people in that way. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about that side of coaching. Yay. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. 
products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. All right, team. So we're back. Um, I want to continue this conversation around coaching and uh, something that I've been really thinking about lately, which is not new. We've talked about this for years when I was on the team at Mark Fisher, this has always come up amongst the trainers is, are we coaching the squat? Are we coaching the person? Are we coaching the deadlift? Are we coaching the person? And of course, I think the consensus among us as a team was person first. You're always coaching the person in front of you. Um, And for me, what's really been important, especially the past 18 months is how can I help this person, these people, whether it's a group or one-on-one, feel good in their body today and confident to take on the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. Like if we can succeed there right now, I think we're really helping the world. Um, and something that I was thinking about before we talked today is I did some really sloppy math, and I'm sure you'll have a much better take on this math, but if you, if MFF from when you started Snatched in the rental studios in Midtown till now, has been around for 10 years. Sure. Right? 362 days a year it's open. Pretty much, yeah. Yes. How many classes a day on average? Mm, oh, gosh, it's varied. But, I mean, even... 10? Like, with weekends? I think on and- average 10. It's actually probably a little bit higher, but, yeah, it's probably Great. like 10 to 12. Great. We'll say 10 for easy math. And then each person has 10 to 14 people, and then you multiply that by 10, and we're well over a million people, a million moments is what I've been thinking about, right? So in the past 10 years, there have been a million moments of opportunity for a human being to go, I feel so much better, or I'm I'm in a better mood, or my life has been so shitty, and this 45 minutes just shifted it. That's really, like, I kind of have goosebumps thinking about it. That's really remarkable. Wow. I'm so curious to go into our booking platform because we could actually find that number out. Yeah. We could find total visits. Yeah. But it might, yeah, it might be over a million. Wow. It's got to be over a million. And, and the fact, you know, what I have, like, as my note here is, like, I know as a person, and I think this goes back to when you said, I think this is something you would, for lack of a better word, be good at because of your journey when I used to show up to my workouts, I would have so many thoughts before I coach, and even now still, so many things going on in my head around my body and around perfection and around it needing to look a certain way. And just being coached in a way that made me feel like I could do it. Yes. That's all I needed. Yes. I didn't need somebody to bark at me. I didn't need somebody to tell me it wasn't, like I could do more. I mean, that's always helpful, but just to know that I could do it and succeed, those million little nuggets of feelings of success have changed so many lives. And I think that's what coaching is about. Yes, I would, I would agree. Yeah. You get to experience your, one's own self-efficacy. And yeah. sort of putting people in positions where you expose them to adversity and then allow them to experience their own volition, their own ability to experience discomfort Mm-hmm. and move through it and not ignore it and not suppress it, not overdo it, and then experience the success on the other side. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Can you go 
maybe go back and repeat the first part, putting people in a position. <laughs> Probably not all Something like that, yeah. Uh, sort of uh, putting people, or I would say offering people the opportunity to experience adversity, to experience discomfort, and choose to be present with it and to move through it and to be conscious during it. And then as a gift on the other side of it, to then experience the self-efficacy, the volition, the mm-hmm. empowerment that comes from having gone through that experience. And then the trust and the self-confidence and the belief in oneself that can be created through that is, I think, why anybody that becomes a long-term health and fitness professional, I think that's the thing we all get hooked on. Yes. Yeah. By all means, I love health. That's something, particularly the older I've gotten, the, the actual ability to help a human's body be resilient to disease, for their brain to function properly. All of those things are utterly, utterly amazing. And the thing that I continue to go back to time after time is creating this dojo for people to experience what the the best version of self is and creating these micro moments where you're intentionally experiencing adversity so you can be conscious and move through it and experience your ability to succeed against pressure. And based on what we just said, you, you and your, your community of coaches and, and employees have done that a million times over. Well, you have been a, a part of that, my friend. So I want to thank you and acknowledge you for being a part of that journey. And thank you so much for sharing that stat with me. I never would have thought to count total visits. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I just, there's so much emotion on each mat in that classroom every time that we, that we as coaches, we understand, but like we don't know what's going through somebody, you know, like we don't know. And I just think it's so, you know, important. I had a client recently say to me, you know, what's been really helpful is that I know you're going to push me and I know, you know what you're doing, but I never feel like I can't do it. Even if I can't do it. Yeah. Right. Like even if the thing might be past my level right now, I still don't feel like you're going, Oh, you can't like, he's like, I always feel like something's possible when I come here. Yes. And that is, like, I was so proud to hear him. I was proud of myself when he said that, mm-hmm. but it's also a testament to like how I was trained to train. Yeah. It's the coaching process certainly has many layers and certainly one of them I think is the transference and the conviction of self-belief. Right. And certainly coaching is not therapy. And certainly this is something that we've thought a lot about over the years, particularly because a place like MFF can veer so much into the psychological elements and the emotional elements of movement, which brings up a lot of stuff for people. Mm -hmm. But I think in a way, therapy is is sometimes described as a form of reparenting. And I think in its way, coaching, uh, which would also be called the Carl Rogers, the great uh, psychotherapist referred to all of these, these professions as helpers, Mm. right? Helper relationship, whether you're a coach or a therapist, different scope, different skills, different situations in which one are more or less appropriate. But coaching in its way, I think, too, can provide a little bit, I think, of like reparenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe some of, some of the things that maybe like you didn't learn from your parents and it wasn't your parents weren't great. Maybe they weren't the right fit for you or the right moment or no parent is perfect. And I think maybe everyone here is maybe the, just not the best thing and not the best time from a well-meaning, otherwise very loving parent. <laughs> and there can be something really beautiful and powerful about the healing that can occur in those helper relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there... Anything else you want to share um, with the world? Anything else going on with you coming up? Um, Mm. What else is on your plate these days? 
Yeah, I think right now we are just kind of jammed, still just riding the apocalypse surfboard and, you know, very grateful that we've done as well as we have because it's been a very challenging time. As you mentioned, I also run a company where I consult with training gym owners and Mm -hmm. not been the best time. We've been very fortunate that our clients have done well, but the industry at large has seen just the staggery of closures. And I don't, I don't think that's ending, frankly. Now, admittedly, particularly here in the States, Mm -hmm. it's become such a regional subculture experience based on what part of the country you're in. But uh, so having said all of that, I'm very grateful and thrilled that there's been the response to MFF online Zoom classes, which who would have known that ever would have happened in another world if people weren't forced against their will to Mm -hmm. work out in the room. So we are grateful that's had the traction. And I think what's coming up is us just figuring out what our services are going to look like going forward because I am less committed to any particular service. I'm more agnostic about anything we're offering. I just want to do things that helps people with their fitness and makes them taller, stronger, more autonomous humans. And it's interesting because the home body platform is still so big and everyone says they're going to keep doing it. I want them to keep doing it, but I don't know if long-term that is something that's going to shrink down to be a modest revenue stream. I don't know if maybe that's something that's going to stay as big as it is and maybe even grow further. And for me at this point in my life, a lot of what I find joy in and challenges in is how do I negotiate the, the outcomes that MFF is looking to create for the type of person we feel most committed to serving? And then how do I make the math work? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. How, do I, yeah. how do I make the math work where I'm selling them a thing that's at a price point that they can afford it, where they're getting enough of a service that it's helpful, that allows us to pay our bills, allows us to pay our team. Mm-hmm. And because there's so many different ways of offering fitness services for individuals. And uh, that is, we, we've all gotten a chance, I think, to look at it with fresh eyes. And certainly we've made some real changes. The business, I think, have really improved what we offered and made the business have more legs. And yeah. I look forward to consider considering what uh what people want you know what yeah. is it that yeah. they just want and then just continue to try to one percent it better every day to make it a better better starship yeah well when i finally get my my uh myself back to the city for a visit of course that is at the top of my list to visit and say uh-huh. hello um okay we're gonna wrap it up so broadway um i went and saw the final dress run at the pantages for the la company of hamilton on sunday oh, night fun. and i wept the entire time to be back in a theater um, and since it's, you know, the community that's so near and dear to us, um, we're going to do a quick little rapid fire. Um, and at the end, I'm going to ask you one Broadway related question. Great. <laughs> okay. Everything else is just kind of random. Here we go. Yeah. So am I. Yeah. Great. Are you ready? Yes. Ran- um, I almost said random. Favorite beverage? Uh, coffee. Pizza or burger? Pizza. Most at least favorite exercise. Oh, whoa, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, maybe back squats. Great. Most favorite exercise. Probably a deadlift. Probably deadlifts. Great. Or swing. Kettlebell swings. Okay, great. Favorite place you've ever visited in the whole wide world. Boom, possible, but I will say for the purpose of this, one of them is Florence, Italy. Great. Place you want to go? I have not yet been to... 
Oh gosh, there's so so many places I haven't yet been to. I will say for the purpose of this, uh, semi-random, I want to go see the Aurora Borealis. Excellent. One yeah. book on your top five. One book on my top five. I will say Sapiens. Great. Favorite Broadway show ever. Mm, favorite, mm, let me, uh, a clarifying question, if I may, mm-hmm. Judge. Uh, favorite like show or favorite performance I've seen? Both. Mm. Again, hard to pick favorites, but one of, I'll <laughs> say one of the most special experience I think I ever had in the theater was seeing the dress run, or not the dress run, the, the, uh, the final invited preview of Color Purple. Oh, The most mm-hmm. recent revival mm-hmm. was a transcendental experience mm-hmm. that was truly, and I happen to be far house, right? So the, not only the performances and Cynthia Revo, it's one of the greatest performances of all time, but watching the audience, like people were losing their minds and it was such a meta double satisfaction, not only the show, but watching people mm-hmm. just like shaking with tears was so satisfying. So that was an incredible performance that I was lucky to experience. And then favorite show, Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite shows, I will go with Into the Woods. Great. Lovely. Woods. Yeah. It's not, not really going to get any better than that for uh-uh. me as far as music theory writing and yeah. just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show that has so much to say, but also so much heart and is so funny. And Sondheim, of course, is not always known for having the most quote unquote hummable melodies. Um, I think a very beautiful melodic score. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't find all of the stuff melodic. I love his entire canon. Right. Uh, but that particular show for me was such a, a special sweet spot of all the things he does well. So out of his amazing canon, that one might be my tippy top. Love it. All right. Um, I really appreciate you taking time today to chat. Um, and, you know, I can, I will be thanking you probably for the rest of my life. Thank you for being a friend, for being a, my coach first, uh, my mentor second, and friend third. I mean, not that, you know what I mean, in, yeah. in order yeah. of which it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe friend first, then coach, I don't know. But all those three things you've been to me, um, and I still take, you know, so much of my time at MFF is with me every single day. So... Um, I can't thank you enough and thank you for being here. I deeply, I deeply appreciate that. And it truly means so much to me. It makes my heart feel so warm to see the extended, uh, unicorn astronaut diaspora out there in the world doing their thing and and sharing the glitter and and the love and the heart. And it just means so much to me. I'm so appreciative of who you are as a person and how you've helped shape and create what MFF is and the way you've taken it on to to go to go bring the magic to wherever you see fit. Yes. All right. Have a great night. We will be back soon, everybody. Have a great, uh, have a great rest of your week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Check out other episodes on all streaming platforms, including the Broadway Podcast Network app. Be well and see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 